What's poppin' everybody? This is Logan Murdoch from Real Ones, and I have some big news to share. On Saturday, February 18th, the Ringer NBA show will be hitting the road for All-Star Weekend for a live show in Salt Lake City. You heard that right. We are taping the pod in front of a live audience in Salt Lake next month, and we want you to join us. Pull up on us at the Stateroom in the heart of downtown Salt Lake. You can grab your tickets now at thestateroom.com. That's thestateroom.com. Doors open at 9 o'clock. Show is at 10. It's going to be a 21 and up event. Come hang with the gang and chat, mid-season updates, draft preview, and even have a Q&A with us. Space is limited, so grab your tickets while they last at thestateroom.com or click the link in the description of this show. Hope to see y'all in there. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Comment, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Controversy, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin Erno! How are you doing, my friend? I'm great. Uh, We're recording this late Monday night. We both just got done watching the Kings versus the Minnesota Timberwolves, which was actually a very entertaining game. Went to overtime, uh, had some big plays down the stretch by both the teams. Sabonis fouled out. Kings went to the five wide against Rudy Gobert. Trey Lyles. Little playoff preview. <laughs> little Trey <laughs> Lyles action. You know what's crazy? I've seen this happen with Trey Lyles a couple different times this year. I really liked him as a young player in Denver. And it just didn't take in the way that I thought it would with him going to San Antonio. And it's nice to see guys like that have find found a place. It's a little bit later down the road, but it's very, very helpful for a team like that. Um, and that Kings team, man, their offense has been spectacular this year. Just absolutely spectacular. And I think that one of the main takeaways from them hiring Mike Brown was we figured there would be a, uptick in defense um, because that's what Mike Brown's been kind of known for. And the uptick in offense has just been 
incredible. They don't have a lot of defensive players. They do kind of have to outscore you. But, man, they'll throw five guys that could score the ball out on the floor. And then on the other side, well, wait, Anthony on the, Edwards wait, thing. Wait on, the yeah. King, wait, on the Kings, like, the star, we didn't mention De'Aaron Fox. Oh, he's awesome. I mean, he, he scored in every which way down the stretch for Sacramento against switches and isolations against McDaniels, against Gobert drop covers, against against switches. Like the last floater he had where Gobert defended it well. He was like kind of striking both arms at Fox on the drive and Fox was driving right and kind of leaned back with his left arm, lefty floater. It was like an impossible shot to do anything about, but he was just on fire down the entire stretch of the game. And I mean, it was like down 13, 32 points on 27 shots is not the most efficient night, but ultimately like he hit all of the shots that mattered down the stretch of the game, including the, the pull up three, two. He did except at the end of the game, uh, you saw a couple different possessions where Edwards took it upon himself to guard De'Aaron Fox. And I love this. This has been something that's been going on. It started last year in the playoffs in their series against Memphis and uh, against Morant. And now we have seen it this year in crunch time where it doesn't matter who the guy with the ball is. If it's, if it's a star on the other team, Edwards wants that. And man, when he locks in, Edwards is as good a perimeter defender as there is in the league because he is so big, he is so strong, and he is so laterally quick. He's outstanding. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he, he had that play, what was it, like 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter where he just oh, stopped just every single move. Yeah, every locked, move. And he does that with, and it, there's nobody quicker than Fox. Yeah. He's as quick as it gets in the league. And Edwards can really play some lockdown defense when he wants to. Um, you know, and I think Minnesota just, it felt like they just kind of, I felt like I was watching a team with five guys that at any point you could throw it out to, and they could knock you down a shot. Whereas with Minnesota, it was really, it really felt like Edwards is either going to make a shot or D'Angelo Russell is going to make a shot. And hopefully one of these guys can make a wide open one, but Kyle Anderson got wide open ones. McDaniels got wide open ones. I mean, they're look, both fun teams to watch. And they're both, I think it just speaks to how tight the Western Conference is because clearly the Kings have a much better record and they are up there as a home court advantage team right now. And, you know, the... the Only three games. Only three games, though. It's not a big difference. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's not a big difference. And though we see the standings and think that these are, you know, radically different teams that are having radically different seasons because we can get tricked by the seedings day in and day out, you watch those two teams play and you go, man, if these two played in the playoff series, that thing would go seven games. Right? I would think and, so. Especially because, yeah. you know, Minnesota, I mean, say what you want about the way they started. They're at least trending up in recent For sure. weeks. Rudy Gobert was, you know, a total shell of his former self earlier in the season. He has been so much better defensively in recent weeks for them. They're finding a rhythm offensively, like even tonight in the first half. Sometimes he'd roll down the lane, and Anthony Edwards would drive, you know, off of a, off the catch, and and Gobert would kind of set that so-called Gortat screen to seal off a defender to prevent them from helping on an and drive. They're they're developing a rhythm and kind of that improvisational half court offense, and that that's been the trend for them offensively in recent weeks. So I think for Minnesota, that, that's a positive development. 
But as has been the case, as we've hit every single time we've talked about Minnesota this year, what happens when Carl Anthony Towns returns? Like, how does that affect the chemistry? Because right now they're really getting in a rhythm with that Anderson McDaniels front court uh, with, you know, different guys coming off the bench. But it's working with Gobert, Anderson, McDaniels right now. How does Cat change that is going to be the big question. And will D'Lo be there as well? Well, I think the most important thing, honestly, is that it's become Edwards' team. Yeah. And that is... Oh, yeah. Like, it's not a question anymore. In He is the man right now. There's a pecking order now that Towns is going to have to fit in. It's not his team. It's Anthony Edwards' team. And Anthony Edwards is going to be the guy there for a long, long time. And he is absolutely spectacular. Some of the shots he hits are just freakish, really. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just not many guys in the league that can do it. And With with his athleticism too, Chris, like... He, like the ball handling and all that is nice, but like for at his size, oh, with his strength, I mean, like amazing. He, there's there's the upside for him to be one of the best players in the game. It doesn't mean he'll reach that, you know. Like you know, in terms of being an on ball creator, he had a horrible turnover down the stretch of the game. He missed Gobert on a lob, tried kicking it out. It was a sloppy turnover. That's the areas he needs to improve. But how much? Like how much can you really blame? You know, 21-year-old Anthony Edwards having that responsibility forced upon him right now when that's not what he is at at his core. That's not what he is naturally. The best fit for him right now is to have more of a natural point guard next to him, like how Chris Paul helped lift Devin Booker. And Devin Booker helped lift Chris Paul. That's really what Minnesota has to have, whether it's, you know, you mentioned Kyle Lowry. That makes a lot of sense. Mike Conley, you know, from a basketball standpoint, makes sense. Maybe, like you said, maybe from a leadership standpoint, he's not vocal enough. I believe you said that, what, two weeks ago, something mm-hmm. like that on the show? But, like, that's the best fit for him, not D'Lo. He's starting to figure it out. He's starting to figure it out, and again, it's just it's just going to take time. Um, as you said, he's third year in the league. 21. He's 21 years old. He eats 21 bags of hot fries a week. That was something else. You saw that clip, too. I was literally about to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> something that was with GQ right a GQ interview 10 things he can't live with that yeah he's great <laughs> he's he awesome so ridiculously likable I know he's so Truly. genuine he's just himself and he can't help it yes those, those are the um, best types of people yeah but I mean like they are uh, <laughs> they started figuring it out and one of the things that Jim Peterson said on the broadcast was they have shut the absolute cover off the ball for the last month and you don't know if that's going to hold you know, Russell's been shooting well. Everybody's been shooting well. I mean, their effective field goal percentage, I believe he said, was third in the league for the month of January. And so they were getting it done with some very, very good offense. I mean, it's – and I think we're going to see, you know, if, if they're going to make the playoffs, you saw that, you know, there was a glimpse in this game tonight. It was Trey Lyles playing the Maxi Cleaver role. And it's like, what do you do? Because they were just putting Gobert in every single pick and roll the entire overtime. The entire overtime. They just attacked him, attacked him, attacked him, attacked him. And they ended up winning the game, you know, pretty well going away. And Chris Finch has got to, like, I mean, these coaches don't like to abandon it. Coon Snyder died by it a hundred times. Well, so and, Chris, it's like, and Chris, and then they had that possession where they did switch, and then the rest of the defense blew it, and Lyle right. had the a wide open dunk inside off the Fox assist. Right. I mean, right. like the communication was just terrible. If you're going to switch, that, that that's the thing. It's like 
that was what it always was with Utah for years. You're so reliant on Gobert to be a deterrent around the basket and to turn away ball handlers from getting into the paint to kick it out and all that. That when you then when you go away from that, <laughs> you kind of forget how you're supposed I to know. play defense. It just doesn't work the same way. They have to figure it out. But that's where for them the idea of Carl Anthony Towns had appeal to them, where it's like, well, we retain right. size in those situations. Doesn't mean it'll work. It sucked earlier in the year, and it may always suck. And it may yeah, always but Towns is exactly who you want on Trey Lyles. It is. Sure, you know, as the helper, you know, as a, as a primary or in help defense position if Gobert is pulled outside. Well, no. No, you want him being the five. If they're going to go five out and small like that, that's your advantage is having Towns as a five. Yeah. I mean, you, know I mean? You, you need more attentive, aware, effective help inside, too, though. Yeah. Uh, I know they got poisoned by it tonight. Yeah, they did. They did. Lyles had eight in overtime. The biggest one to watch uh, tonight regarding the scoreboard was what happened with this Philly Magic game. Because when I checked it early, Philly was pounding them. I was like, oh, man. Yep. You know, Philly is just rocking like 20 and four in their last 24. We just saw this unbelievable Embiid performance over the weekend. People are talking about how he's now the front runner for the MVP. And they're just blasting this Orlando team. And next thing you know, every time they're flipping that scoreboard, I'm looking, I'm like, hold on now. And next thing you know, the Magic are in the lead. And then the Magic win that game going away. Uh, they are. They are the uh, Kingslayers with their three wins over the Celtics and now ending this win streak uh, when everybody's been talking about the Sixers and Sixers have been playing such great basketball. You don't want to see the magic. if you got they, they ended the Celtics win streak and now they just turned around and ended the Sixers win streak. And forgive me if they've ended other win streaks that I'm unaware of, but those are two big ones that we've had going on this year where we've been talking about these teams, talking about how great they are, and then they run into the damn magic. And the streak, the streak ends. The streak enders. The Orlando magic. Who knew? It was a much different game for Embiid against Orlando than it was against Denver. Because, you know, against, against Denver, you know, he has this unbelievable performance, as everybody knows, from Saturday night, outplaying Jokic. You know, Doc Rivers made the great decision to put P.J. Tucker on Jokic in the second half with Embiid off ball. It was a magnificent adjustment for Philadelphia to win that game. In tonight's game against Orlando, it looked like an older version of himself where he had a hard time handling the double teams and the length of the Magic. And I think that speaks to what has been the theme for Orlando all year long. This team is so different with all their size and versatility, the amount of big, big, long, lengthy, versatile players they can throw out there, whether it's Bancaro, Wagner, the other Wagner, Carter, Fultz as a guard. I mean, they have so much size on their team and different guys can produce in different ways. It, it just, it feels like with Orlando, they're only 20 and 31 this year. They're going to be in the lottery in all likelihood pending like some crazy run at the end of the year to grab a play-in spot, which would not be good for them. They're going to be in the lottery. It, this does feel like a team that's knocking on the door of being really, really good really soon. Like they're just a couple guys away and a couple young guys getting better, you know, away from being a really good team in the East. Like why can't they be the Pacers next year where they're like the five, five, six seed or even the four seed at certain points during the year? Why not? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Pacers because so much of what happened with the Pacers is 
they got that linchpin, which is the amazing point guard that kind of makes everything go. And I watched them last night. I got to see them in person, that Pacers team. And it's been really, really tough for them. I think they've lost 10 of 11 now. You know, once Halliburton went out, it just, it cratered. And they still play hard. And they you can still see that they've got guys that can play well if they were flanked by a guy that can lead the league in the NBA in assists. But it's a lot harder when they don't have the guy that's leading the NBA in assists. He just makes the game so much easier for all of them. It's a lot of role players, right? And he's a star. And the, and the role players revolve around the star. And when the star went out, now it's just a bunch of role guys. Let me tell you something. That's my first time seeing Matherin in person. He's a baller. He is a baller. Man, look, this guy is there for it. Dog will (sighs) go into the, he'll go into the paint against anybody. Fearless. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, he draws so many fouls as a rookie, it's crazy. Oh my God, he attacks. And he's yeah. got this first step that is explosive as all hell. I'm like, man, if this kid harnesses it, oh, he can kick it into it. a second gear. He can explode yes. at the rim. He can, I mean, he's shooting only 32% from three right now. But I think, I think over the course of time, that percentage will rise. He's been 80 plus percent from the free throw line for some time now. So I think with Matherin, like what a dynamic Halliburton and Matherin. Two different types of players that complement each other perfectly in that. Well, and this guy, this guy's just kind of coming off the bench as a bucket getter. Yeah, you know, for this season, arguably the sixth man of the year. Arguably, he's in the conversation. We will see how, as the year goes on, like he evolves, and if his role starts to evolve, and if he eventually, you know, maybe down the stretch, if they get Halliburton back, becomes a starter, and then when we start to see glimpses of that backcourt, maybe. But for right now, he's just a guy that can come in off the bench. And, man, when he drives to the basket, he drives to the basket. Um, My first impression, you know, of getting to see him in person was a great one. They, uh, He's got a chance to be very, very good in this league. And he's got that kind of attitude that you you don't see it. All that often, it really stands out when you've got a guy that's like a Killer fighter mentality. like that. Yeah, I want that kind of guy on my side. And I think you also have to appreciate him embracing a six-man role. Sure. Uh, I, like, I think certain rookies, they might be like, I should be a starter, you know, the way yeah. I can play already. But he's embraced a six-man role. And I just pulled up the, the FanDuel Sportsbook odds for six-man of the year. He's fifth right now. One, mm. Russell Westbrook. Two, Malcolm Brogdon. Three Tyrese Maxey, four Norman Powell, fifth Benedict Matherin, and ben- Matherin, no surprise, second in Rookie of the Year at plus six hundred. So I think with him, man, uh, uh, when's the last time we've had a guy top five for Rookie of the Year and Sixth Man of the Year? Uh, I mean, Probably I, been a I, long time. I, I can't recall a time. And, and we've had ten, a six ten, man. Yeah. yeah, in the ten years I've covered the NBA, I can't recall that happening. Maybe it's slipping my mind, but I don't remember a time. Do you? No, not that I, I mean, maybe, I don't know if Brogdon came off the bench that year or not. Did he start the whole year? 
Remember the weird year yeah, where he ended Embiid, up winning? Yeah, yeah. yeah. he played like 30 games. Now, Bro- so Brogdon that year, he played 28 games as a starter, 75 total. So he did primarily come off the bench that year. But I wonder Milwaukee. if he was even, he I don't probably think he wasn't was. even thought of for a no. six man. 100%. Let, let right. me pull up uh, what the vote was that year. Yeah, he wasn't probably for, thought of as a six man. He was just thought no. of as a rookie for rookie of the year. He was not even in the top 10 for voting. The top five was veterans. Eric Gordon, Andre Iguodala, Lou Williams, Zach Randolph, James Johnson. And like then you get to guys who had all only like one first place vote. But Brogdon, Brogdon only had one total vote, period. I think so, he'll probably yeah. win it this year, honestly. Yeah, I might. can't believe he's not the favorite. Well, Westbrook is currently the favorite. I don't know if that's like Lakers, you know, the, the sports book doing that because so, many, right. so much money going on him. Um, you know yeah, the media yeah. votes on that, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know you're right. I, I think I think Brogdon Brogdon has a really strong case for Boston, and and Maxi, we'll see how the year continues for him now that he's coming off the bench and flourishing. He has a strong shot too, for sure. Um, anyway, back back to the Magic thing. The point originally when I was talking about we got off track with the Pacers was the Pacers kind of have this point guard that can make all the other stuff go. And I do think that the Magic are going to end up with that, whether it is your traditional point guard. And I don't know if it's going to be Fultz or Suggs, if one of those guys can grow into that, then that's the way it's going to be, or if it's going to be somebody else. But, you know, just having, I kind of feel like those guys, and maybe Suggs, more than Fultz, and I know it hasn't gone all that well. Fultz uh, has been good. Fultz yeah, has been good. No, I know. But, but Fultz is not a 12-assist guy. You know what I'm saying? I look at a team like that, and I say, man, just I need a run-the-show guy. And you had brought up in the past maybe a, like a Van Vliet type of thing with them, um, which is interesting to me. I think any of these mm. kind of, you know, I don't know if, does Van Vliet that Vliet. guy, though? Does Van I Vliet just don't, I, I don't know if he fits about? the trajectory of the franchise, right? You've got a lot of young guys on that team. Do you want a 12-assist guy for this team when you have Wendell Carter, who can run dribble handoffs, Franz Wagner, who's six foot nine, who can run pick and roll or be a screener or run DHOs? You have Bancaro, who can handle the ball and do all those things as well. Do you need a 12-assist guy for the Magic, or do you need a Van Vliet who can do that when necessary? Yeah, I'm talking but, but about get, yeah, get it. Get me in my. I'm the, maybe maybe not a twelve assist guy, but get me in my offense and knock down spot up threes, which is Van Vliet's game. You know what I mean? Yeah, Fultz. Fultz. I mean, he's shooting statistically well from three, thirty four percent, but he's a low volume guy. He right. Doesn't, he doesn't garner their like teams aren't sweating him when he's spotting up behind an arc. He doesn't run through screens and DHOs as a shooter. That's what Van Vliet does. Like, Van I want Vliet, those space for those other guys. Would you let Let's say. So Sham Sharania had reported earlier this month that the Magic are a team that are interested in Van Vliet. If you're the Magic, would you include Jalen Suggs in a trade for Fred Van Vliet? Oh, wow. And so th- th- how crazy would that be? Because then they would end up with the debate. Yep. Because the Toronto Suggs-Barnes debate. Yep, 100%. So if you're the Magic, would you include Suggs in a deal for Van Vliet? And of course, you'd have to include more salary. Maybe you get, you'd likely have to include a pick unless Toronto values Suggs over picks being offered for Van Vliet, but strictly Suggs, would you include him in a deal? Yes. I would too. 
It's been because a bad start. of what I've got with my team. Yes. And if I think that maybe, maybe like what you were saying, that I'm a little bit farther along with how good these guys are than I thought I would be. Mm. I.e., Bancaro's going to be better, faster than we thought. Franz is better, faster than anybody could have thought. Top 20. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, you've got those guys as really good players who you could see being ready to go by age 24. And at that point, you're still, you still theoretically have got a very good Van Vliet at that point. Oh, so, yeah. it's just kind of, if you don't think Suggs is the best fit with those guys, and you think that there's a better type of point guard, and I don't use this as a demerit on Suggs. I'm talking about what fits those guys. Then, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. I I mean, again, I think Fred's very, very good player. Very good player. Yeah. And also, I think... And a, and uh, a winner. A winner, too. Yeah, he's a good, he's kind a good of bring that player. to the table yeah. for them. Point of attack defender, proven, you know, playoff player, champion. Yeah. I mean, like, he'd be... I think he would enhance everything that they already are. The risk for Orlando would be, do, do you sneak into the postseason this year by accident? Like, do you make the play-in? And then you kill your own lottery odds. I wouldn't worry about it. You wouldn't worry about it? No, not if I could get those guys some experience. I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. So, I mean, I'll tell you what. Their lottery Scoot, odds aren't going to be that great anyway. Scoot Henderson would look really good in Orlando, too, though. Well... And so would a whole lot of other guys, like with the sixth pick or the seventh pick in this year's drafts. I mean, you again, see that, but every but, but year. So, so would a guy with the 12th pick. This is a good draft. Straight up, it's just a good draft. But, if, There's a but, lot but, of but you talent. always talk about it like it's a good thing. You get the fourth pick and you get Patrick Williams. You never yeah. talk about that. You of never course, talk about you, you the fact that you don't. Up. Like, yes, because because most it goes of without, them are screw up. Because it goes without saying that, that like p- people are going to screw up and guys aren't going to work out. But when they hit, then you end up with Paolo Bancaro. Or then you end up with Franz Wagner. When they hit, they really can hit. Well, Franz Wagner, I believe, was what? The he was like seven. Seventh? Seventh pick. Yeah, no, but, I, but I'm, that's what I'm saying. If you get in the play-in, well, he was eighth pick. If you get in the play-in, well, you're not going to get the eighth pick. You're going to get the 14th pick, the 13th pick, something like that. Uh, so you can get Giannis or Kawhi. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? Or, or or the next guy that everybody forgets. That's hap- <laughs> just like it happens there. The draft is Chris tough. Duarte. Yeah, Chris Duarte, or you know, I don't know. Can't Cameron Payne, who becomes a backup, or who's won the last two MVPs? Jokic. Yeah, of where course. was he drafted? Uh, who yeah, was the one for, before 40, that? Forty-one, and and yeah, <laughs> of course, oh. Chris. It oh, goes geez. without saying there are always oh. steals. <laughs> But you statistically have a higher percent chance of getting those franchise players at the top of the drafts. Maybe statistically, so. you do. The Nuggets, the Nuggets passed. Haven't on they Yoke. been in the lottery enough? The, the, seriously? Yeah, they have. And I'm not. I'm not okay. saying it's the wrong path. I'm just saying that I would ignite, not make it, a deal because I might make the play. I, I that know, wouldn't I'm, be a bad. I, thing. I would. I would trade for Van Vliet now too. I'm just saying that's the and only then, risk. And then, and then you'd sit him for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> nice to have you. It's See a, you in September hey, for training hey, camp. Enjoy the weather. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, man. Much well, better we, than Toronto, isn't it? 
Turn every Thursday into payday with TNT Thursdays on FanDuel Sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you win or lose, FanDuel is giving all customers $10 in bonus bets every Thursday. Just bet a $10 or more same-game parlay on any NBA on TNT game. Same-game parlays let you combine the money line, point spread, player props, and more all into one wager. So start building your own or just bet a popular SGP already made for you in America's number one sportsbook. And win or lose, you'll get guaranteed $10 added to your account. If you're new to FanDuel, just sign up using the promo code MISMATCH and you'll get $10 back every Thursday, win or lose, with TNT Thursdays exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. Bonus issued as non withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Max bonus $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Connecticut, visit ccpg.org forward slash chat. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. We got to double back to some of the things that took place over the weekend because what a weekend it was. Oh, my. Kev, um, I, you know, I didn't realize this, and I feel like I'm pretty well read about the history of the NBA, but evidently the most egregious non-call in a regular season game in the history of the NBA took place over the weekend. And that was Jason Tatum hitting LeBron James as he went to the basket to win the game for the Los Angeles Lakers and Eric Lewis standing right there and not making the call. Um, And then Eric Lewis had to witness the tirade of all tirades by LeBron James and photographic evidence Supplied by none other than Patrick Beverly. Oh, that was incredible. Grabbing a camera. Unbelievable. Objectively hilarious. No matter what your opinion of Pat Bev is, that was one of the funniest things I've seen in the basketball game. Especially after he had a put-back dunk and a (laughs) huge (laughs) three-pointer. Outrageous. The reactions from the Lakers players after Patrick Beverly had that put-back dunk were hilarious. Everybody was in as much shock as every viewer at home was. They could not believe it. Um, Look, horrible. Oh, my God. Horrible non-call, to say the least. It was really a bad call. Bad non-call, yeah. LeBron's reaction. (laughs) is the meme of all memes. I know. I mean, can you imagine every situation that's going to take place over the course of the next five (laughs) years of our life that people are going to pull up that clip to show their disgust about something and play it? I mean, it is outrageous. Outrageous response. And, (laughs) you know, look... (laughs) The Lakers have not been known over the course of their franchise history for being on the wrong end of officiating. I think I'm I'm confident in saying that. I do not doubt that they have had a couple of games recently that have not gone their way because of a bad call or two. I would also say that there are other teams that have had Bad calls go against them. I would venture to say that every single person that is listening to this podcast could recount a time where they felt the officials 
stole a game from them this particular season. But when it happens to the Lakers, it keeps the referees up at night. It rips their hearts out of their collective chest, and they can hardly get a wink of sleep with the inner torture that they feel by getting a Lakers call wrong. Um, I am unaware of whether or not they have felt this inner torture that keeps them awake all hours of the night when they have missed calls uh, against other teams. But they verbalized it in this case. And they wanted all of us to know that (laughs) <laughs> that <laughs> it is not I can't even get through I can't even get through want, this want talking to seriously about it want, want me to read the tweet Chris please the, 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 at official NBA refs it's a verified Twitter account run by the NBA referees they yes. tweeted out like everyone else I'm playing the world's smallest violin in the background referees make mistakes we made one at the end of last night's game and that is gut wrenching for us this play will weigh heavily and cause sleepless nights oh, as no. we strive to be the best referees we can be. Oh, you're giving him a hand. Yeah. You love it. Ironically, yes. We don't get that after blown game six calls or blown game seven calls, do we, Chris? But after LeBron throws a tantrum on the court, yes, we do. I couldn't, yeah, believe, do. I couldn't believe it was real. That I thought... Tweet. I literally, I really thought it was fake initially. And I was like, oh, wait, this is actually their account. I double, triple checked before I tweeted out. I, I, and I was like, this, gut-wrenching. This, this really can't be real, right? Like, this has to be someone hacked them? Well, and then I was hoping that they were going to follow it up with, just kidding, F them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Instead, they stood by this. I mean, that the tweet was worse than the non-call. I don't know about that, Chris. The the non-call was horrible. Oh, shut up. (laughs) Gut-wrenching. Bro, all right. You know know there was a game last week, and you wouldn't know this because I never said a word about it, never tweeted a word about it. I don't care. This stuff happens all the time. It's 82 games. It's a hard sport to call. It is. Bro, Draymond Green literally fullback blocked the entire Grizzly team for Clay Thompson to get a wide open three with 14 seconds left in the game. You can go look at the two minute report and it says Draymond Green non called illegal screen. If you watch the replay, he literally drives Dylan Brooks completely away to set up a wide open three pointer, which then gave Golden State the lead. You didn't hear me say a word about it. Like the stuff happens, man. People miss calls all the time. And I guess it's because it has happened more recently to the Lakers a few different times. It's a bigger deal when it happens to them than when it happens to everybody else. But let me just say, I wanted to throw up, listen to this whole, well, uh, if you look at the standings right now (laughs) and you flip the three games that were obviously taken away from them, as if there probably weren't three the other way, but never mind that. You say, if you took those three games, look at where they would be in the standings. Just those three that the officials obviously cost them the game. Okay? Just those three. It's a different world right now with the Los Angeles Lakers. I get it. 
If I'm a Laker fan, that's what I'm saying too. And I'm never minding anytime I was the benefit of calls. I'm going to talk about the three that were robbery. Because, Kevin, what? Every game matters. All so tight in that Western Conference standings. You're looking at them every day. I'm looking at them every day. It's all so tight. The margins are so thin that one game, one game might be the difference. And so we want everybody to know one game can make all the difference. (laughs) And our next game, our two best players are going to sit out. (laughs) Like, shut up. How, did this game tonight that they got beat by Brooklyn, did did that one matter or no? Does that count? I think they I'll all t- count I'll as one, what, right? We'll, we'll see how much it matters Tuesday night against the Knicks because Darvin Ham said, quote, James was experiencing really significant soreness oh, in God. his left foot. And, and, and so if he sits out again on Tuesday then maybe it's actually extremely serious. Dude, do you want me to... This is not even tinfoil hat. This isn't tinfoil hat. Go look at their schedule right now. All right? He's averaging 35 points a game in the last month, right? So you think he just wants to sit so he can break it at home and then shut down for the year? He ain't shutting down. Well, I mean, does he just want to break it at home? You think he wants to break it in Indiana? No. You think he wants to break it in Oklahoma City? No. He probably wants to do it Thursday, February 9th against the Bucks. So if he's averaging 35 <laughs> points a game. that game on national TV, not Tuesday the 7th against the Thunder, but the 9th on TNT against the Bucks. That's probably the night he wants to actually do it. So he's averaging 35 <laughs> a game. Yeah. Go look at how many away he is. Oh, I know. If he's he right played there. throughout this road trip, he breaks it on the road. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he would have. And he breaks it in a small market. More than likely. It would, it would not surprise me. It would not surprise he's not going to score 118 in Madison Square Garden, even though that yes. would be super awesome if that's the way he broke Kareem's record. He, he's <laughs> hundred and yeah, that would be crazy. He's 117 <laughs> points shy of passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So he's on pace for now the seventh or the ninth in all likelihood. But if he's averaging 35 a game? No. He's got to sit yeah. out another one on the road. No, because if he if he has 35 against the Knicks, 35 against the Pacers, and then against the Pelicans, then he'd only need 12 in the game against the Thunder. So he would have to sit out one more. That's what I said. Yes, of course, one more. But I'm just saying now seventh or ninth is what he's on pace for. But you can't do that because every game matters. The officials took them away that <laughs> game. And so all I'm saying is point to this. When you want to talk about some you know, a, an official robbed you or whatever. Point to the fact that you could win a game like this tonight against Brooklyn. You punt the game. Don't tell me every game matters. And then the next time, ne- next time out, sit. I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you. And all I'm saying is that we'll, we'll find out Tuesday night, and I guess obviously later this week, if that if that foot keeps him out for until the All Star break, then yeah, maybe this is actually an injury. When did but, he hurt his foot, Kev? In overtime? They say it's really serious soreness. We don't know exactly when. Yeah. Maybe it was on that non-call. <laughs> then, that, then that would be butt soreness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh God, you're not wrong. Just say that you're 100 percent right, Chris. Clip that, Jesse. I, I, I want to remind him how many times he's had to say I'm 100 percent right. Can I, I, like can I ask? I want to ask a serious. Please, <laughs> you just clip that out. You're 100 percent right, Chris. Can I? Can you <laughs> ask a serious question about that mistake at the end of the game? We talk all the time about officiating and how mm-hmm. like sometimes there's too much replays and all that. In a situation like that, don't you think the NBA should build in a mechanism to like rapidly correct those mistakes? You mean when LeBron James gets fouled? I know you're no, not, not, but like no, like what? No, why? I think I think the league should only for LeBron though. No, but like, shouldn't if coaches have a challenge? Shouldn't referees have a challenge? Or the referee watching from Secaucus, New Jersey, shouldn't they have a challenge where they can press a buzzer within five seconds of getting the signal and say, "Hey, that play needs to be reviewed." Like last two minute referee Secaucus review because that seems like an emergency situation where very clearly it was a foul. It was a foul. And you're right. This happens on both sides. The Lakers will be the the, bene- the beneficiaries of a missed call or an incorrect call in the future. But maybe in those situations, you should have replay. But at the same time, replay does break up the flow of the game. You know, you often go to commercial break and then like it ruins the flow and people are, you know, angry and it ruins the enjoyment. So there's pros and cons to doing it. I, uh, what if I it's play, playoffs mind. only? Playoffs only? Yes. So playoffs, yes. Regular season, you're less certain. Correct. I, I do. As someone that goes to 40-something games a year, I I detest the replay. Oh, I know. the replays are oh, dude, ridiculously long. Ever, it's a joke, and they should make forever. it quicker. So many times at home, we know what the decision is long before they make it, and, yes. and, it, and it's the type of thing where like either they don't know what they're doing, or they, they need to make the process a lot faster, or put a cap on it, like thirty seconds in and out, and then you got to make your decision, and that's that, right or wrong. And, yeah, like, it's it's you got to improve the game flow. So you're, it's it, a hard, it it's hurt. a hard. It, so it you're is. you're in a tough position because it's a hard sell with me to want more replay. Because man, every yeah. time they go, every time they go to that monitor, I'm just oh, like, oh. They pull out the screen, and the Holy ref looks into mackerel. the camera, fixes their hair, and tries to look good for the camera. It's so so maddening. Just make the freaking call. And yeah, everybody has seen, even in the arena, you're seeing their monitor. Yeah. You're seeing their monitor. And then you just got to wait to hear what they're going to say. And so, I don't know, man. I would just say only for LeBron James, because those are the ones that <laughs> that they can't sleep over. Yeah, yeah I, think, I know. Let's we, be honest. we need the referees to be yeah. well-rested. We do. If it's... If That's it's Jalen, if it's Jalen McDaniels, they sleep like babies. Oh, of course. But if it's LeBron, I don't want these guys losing sleep. So yeah. maybe like a LeBron foul. If it's LeBron, then yes, we're allowed to go back to Secaucus to get a. In fact, we could call it the silver buzzer. The silver buzzer. And Adam can and Adam can buzz in when it's uh when LeBron gets fouled in crunch time, just to make sure that we got it right. Um. Next thing we have to talk about that took place over the weekend dealt with my hometown team, which was the Memphis Grizzlies and Jaron Jackson Jr. And his defensive statistics called into question by a Reddit poster that 
put together a 1,400-word opus on why Jaron Jackson's Defensive Player of the Year uh, standing is Poppycock and that the home scorekeeper in Memphis, Tennessee was inflating Jaron Jackson Jr.'s defensive numbers, that his block and steal numbers, um, most importantly his block numbers for the home road splits, proved that the home scorekeeper was up to shenanigans, and he then put up, I believe it was six or seven different video clips um, with, look at this, look at this, look at this. This is obviously something is awry. Um, you and I were texting about it as of that morning. Unfortunately, there were media members that have some level of audience that pushed it along and gave it some ridiculous level of credibility. Uh, but you and many others uh, went and said, okay, well, this doesn't sound necessarily right. So let's go check the tape as if Memphis games are played in some kind of a dark tunnel that nobody can watch with no camera angles. <laughs> there are like literally everything is on video from a million different angles. And so Which is what anybody, I did. anybody could go watch them. You chose yeah. to go watch all of Jaron Jackson's home blocks and came to the conclusion that there was no nefarious activity no. going on in Memphis. Definitely not. I mean, I watched the alternate angles of all the blocks that were like from the broadcast angle. If you know, Kurt Goldsberry had, had done the same type of study and he found that three to five of them were questionable. That's it. And I had the same thing where it was like, okay, the, the blocks against that were called against Zion were not blocks. There was one block called against, against, I believe it was the, the Phoenix suns. That was not a block. I had three out of 66 that were not blocks. So three mistakes out of 66 when he was at least in the area and deterring the player from scoring a basket where, you know, may, those are probably within the margin of error for other players as well. The thing that's fascinating here is the reason why that Redditor originally was so interested here was because, yes, he saw there were some examples that the Zion ones that were not blocks. However, the differential between him and at home and on the road is dramatic. I wonder if he's actually not being credited with enough blocks on the road because at home, so many of the blocks that he had were like amazing fingertip blocks where he just flies out of nowhere, gets a finger on the ball and changes the trajectory of it, causing a miss. Maybe those are only going down as shot alterations or contests, a.k.a. nothing in the, in the basic box scores on the road, where those scorekeepers aren't, aren't familiar with Jackson's prowess like the home scorekeeper is who sees him every single night as the league auditor is that sees him every night and reviews that tape at home. I wonder if that plays a part in it, too, for the discrepancy between home and roadblocks for Jaron Jackson Jr. In other words, could his numbers actually be better could it be the opposite of what that Reddit post said? Could his numbers actually be better on the road 
than they actually are right now. Well, I have been a defender and I love Jaron. It's also possible that he's not as good on the road. You know, the team is 21 and three at home. They have the best home record in the entire NBA. They're like 11 and 15 on the road. So <laughs> the idea that their players are not performing as well on the road, like, hey, just go oh, look yeah. at their record, a hole. Like they're, they're 21 sure. and three at home and they're 11 and 15 <laughs> on the road. True. Imagine that. Their player stats aren't as good on the road. Well, no shit. They lose. They got a lose. They literally have a losing record on the road. So that was one. The other thing is the NBA checks all of this stuff, Kevin. Everybody knows the way this works. They have an independent checker for all stats. You see stats change all the time. And yeah, Tim Frank released a statement uh, through multiple newspapers and media outlets saying to ensure the integrity of our game, statistics auditors independent of the statisticians on site, review all plays and all stat decisions in real time during NBA games. If changes are necessary, they are made at that time or following a post-game review. All of the plays questioned in the post on the Memphis games were scored consistently within the rules set forth by the NBA statisticians manual. People are really in this mode, and I think it's been over the course of the last couple of years to really want to believe conspiracies. To have their third eye open. And this was one that was just goofier than all hell. I mean, yeah, some are are proven true, but not the the NBA Twitter files here. Not not this one. I had uh, had Jaron Jackson on my local show today, and he said he woke up that morning at about 11 a.m., and he had a bunch of texts from friends like, Hey man, always behind you, always in your corner. <laughs> Unreal. Don't don't listen to what they're saying. He's like, "What is going on? <laughs> Why are my friends being so nice <laughs> about how they're in my corner? Got your back, bro." He's like, "What is happening?" And that is really funny. That gives the human side to it. The idea that he has no idea what's going on and all of us have been arguing about it and talking about it. I spent like 90 minutes, maybe two hours of my morning watching and rewatching and rewatching again Jaron Jackson Jr. blocks. It was a lot of fun, Chris. I'll tell you that. It was a lot of fun. He's well, can I, can I address my buddies, Taz Mellis, J.E. Skeet, Trey, the whole crew over there at No Dunks. All right. They said, they, nah, it kind of, uh, it's not a court setting, but they were having their debate on whether or not after this controversy came to light, the NBA addressed it and everything like that, the Reddit poster, they opined that me or maybe one of my coworkers, Lang Whitaker, was behind this. <laughs> I was, in fact, the Reddit poster. And that <laughs> it was done on purpose because... If you post this and it becomes a big story, <laughs> then guys like Kevin O'Connor, guys like Kurt Goldsberry, all manner of media members will then have to be exposed to the brilliant defense of one Jaron Jackson Jr. And therefore, they will go through all of their clips and they will <laughs> leave overwhelmed by how amazing he is. And so in this galaxy brain move that we produced the 14 
hundred word opus so that every so that people would then go watch to find out if Jaron Jackson is getting phony blocks credited to him. And I will deny it. I am not the Reddit poster. You somebody not, told me yesterday it's a ad massive on Reddit. That's not somebody you. somebody told me it's a it's a Warriors fan. Which it makes sense. I mean, they're trying to poke holes in anything that the Grizzlies do. There's some well, real haters. Well, he, here's the thing. I don't know <laughs> if that's true because I just pulled up their post history. They've only made two posts ever. They posted the Jaron Jackson stats 11 days ago and yeah. it didn't get any traction. Only 352 upvotes. And then the one that went viral over the weekend had 66,000 upvotes on it. Unbelievable. I know. So they, they, they took two shots with the, probably a burner account to post that stat. Mm. So the, the conspiracy that it is like a, you know, someone's random account, that could be true. But it was not Chris Vernon. It wasn't me. No. Come on. If you think, look, you don't know me that well if you think I'm writing 1,400 words. About no, friggin- you're not. <laughs> no, thanks. No way. No, thanks. <laughs> no, I'm not. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. A couple other things that took place over the weekend that we do need to mention. The Joel Embiid game against Nikola Jokic. Oh, how that was a big, hell of a game. How, uh, you are, you're a guy that gets to vote for these awards at the end of the season. Does the one-on-one matchup and how unbelievable he was. You only get to see those guys twice against each other through the year. He clearly wanted to play at his apex in that game. They know the matchup, and he's the guy with the real chip on his shoulder as he continually feels like he gets overlooked or passed by and that he is deserving of some things of which he has not gotten credit for. The head-to-head, my team versus your team, and how he performed. I feel like it is, you know, maybe even subconsciously, it's going to stick in everybody's head. We're not going to forget that. It's a very memorable thing that happened. Does it matter to you, the that head-to-head matchup? Yeah, it matters. Will it? Will it put Embiid over Jokic? Maybe, maybe not. But like that, that'll be part of the equation. At the end of the day, when you make your choice, you review. All 82 games matter. Like, look, look, for me, just to make this clear, I don't care that Jokic won the last two MVPs. That will not factor into my equation one bit. Just like it, I, I didn't care that Giannis had won two when it came to voting him for a potential third time. It was not a factor. The award is for this season and this season only. And that's it. Um, whether it goes down in history as a mistake for him to look like a three-time MVP if he never wins the finals, who knows? But that is not a factor. Right now, I have Embiid at second on my own MVP rankings. Um, I have Jokic one still right now. I have Giannis third. So that's my top three at the moment for MVP. 
we'll see how it shakes out. This will be a factor. I don't know how big of a factor it'll end up being, though, Chris. It was a statement. It was definitely a statement. And it will be something that sticks in my mind. I mean, like we said at the top of the show, but like the Sixers made a great decision in that game, putting Tucker on Jokic, allowing Embiid to be off ball and disrupt everything, passing lanes. He intercepted the the lob by Jokic into the into the paint. He deterred him from driving to the basket. It was an unbelievable Embiid game on defense in that second half. And offensively, I mean Dude. The step back three to end it. Oh my Come God. on, bro. What, what a statement. I jumped off my couch. I screamed. It was awesome. Oh, my God. What a, what a cool moment, huh? The crossover so cool. step back for 47. Man, I, I, it doesn't get old. Like, we, we see so, like bull bowls of the world and the Carl Anthony Towns who can shoot over 40% from three. And we see all these bigs who can do all the stuff across the league. But Joel Embiid. At his size, seven feet, two hundred eighty pounds, moving like a wing or a guard out there, doing the stuff he does. Like he had so many, he had a pull up and transition as well, where he brought the ball up the floor and Jokic was inside, and it be just kind of stopped and hit like a little short floater pull up inside the paint. Like how how does he do this at his size? If it's even close, like it was last year, and Bead's gonna win it. Oh, I think the media would give him the edge too. Yes. If it's close, right, right or wrong, the fact Jokic has already won two will be a factor. And I, it won't, will not, I, I don't, I don't, maybe I don't know if I'm correct. I might be wrong to say it's not a factor for me, but I do think it will be a factor for many voters. And I do think that there, even subconsciously, everyone does think about the history of the game that Jokic regardless. already has two, and if yes. he becomes another guy who three peats. And that this is a guy that are we really going to go through and he he didn't win one. Is he always going to... You know, we like to give it to different guys and he's a generally likable guy. And, you know, last year, I remember many times and I told you as, when we talked about this over and over again, I said, I, I, I'm not going to rip you for anybody you vote for. I, if you voted for Embiid, Giannis, or Jokic, I do not think it's a wrong vote. I just don't. And that's what I'm saying. If we get into a situation where it's like debatable, he'll win. He'll win. I mean, only three players. Because he hasn't yet. Only three players in the history of basketball have three-peated. Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Larry Bird. Right. And Embiid, he's leading the league in scoring right now, I believe. 34 a game. (laughs) (laughs) And he's excellent defensively. And his team's going to have a great record also. Yeah. I don't know if they'll end up one. I don't know if they'll overtake the Celtics, but they'll probably be two if they're not one. They could. They, they could. They could. I agree. Another thing that took place since we last spoke was and uh, was the Giannis game. Because am I crazy or has he done this like two or three times this year where it's like <laughs> somebody's getting a bunch of shine, somebody's played really good. You feel like he pulls up his phone and he sees all the headlines, all the headlines, all the headlines, and then he does something crazy like this to make sure that you remember, like, I'm still that dude. And so he goes out and he gets 50 points in 30 minutes, literally right after everybody's talking about MP Jokic. Like, I feel like, and, you know, I've heard people say that, like, he knows what everybody's saying about everything. And 
I feel like it's happened a few different times this year where one of these guys has been getting all this talk and all this chatter or has done something big and then he goes out and makes it a mission to remind everybody like, yo, I'm still here and I can still do this if I want to because 50 and 30 minutes is crazy. Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Absolutely. It's cool. I mean, I know people, you know, joked, not joked. They said he was stat padding at the end, but who cares? He's putting on a show for the fans. It was cool. He hit the three pointers. It was fun. It was exciting. Bucks fans got to enjoy it. I mean, you probably show. I thought it was you, awesome. You, no, come on. You didn't love it. I didn't, I didn't, I did love it. He put oh. on a show for the fans at the it, end of the game. Nah, you didn't love it. Let's be why, honest. Why, why didn't I love it, Chris? Why, oh, why, did, why didn't you love it? No. Uh, me? I thought it was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. You, on the other hand, I mean, come on. The pelican tears were flowing. Oh, I mean, God. they're just oh, running what, down. What a way to spin this they're, on me. They're running what down a way your to face. Do it. I mean, Matt, just, that, that's a veteran host right there. Just a just a wet <laughs> face. Oh, Giannis, this oh, is so great. I love uh, watching this. I uh, love Zion. I love I love watching this. Uh, this make is a so, trade, Griff. Yeah, this is so fun to watch. Oh wait, what about all those tweets I sent Chris Barnett uh, about the? Pelicans are better now. They're better uh, in the future. They're better the Grizz- forever. The Grizzlies no. have lost five oh out of God. six. Oh, no. 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 Hey, look. <laughs> I, I, I I pulled up everything that's happened in January for the Pelicans. And, it's not oh, been good. Oh, it's gruesome. It's really bad. Oh, it is gruesome. It's Kevin. really horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but hey, Chris, this is what you said earlier in the show. You mm. lose your best players. You stink. No, I did not say that. I said Indiana lost their best players and they stink. Yeah, but every team that loses their best players stinks. Nah, they don't. There's a lot of them that have been able to withstand it throughout this year. The Suns fell apart. Yep, they have certainly fallen apart this year. Without Booker, without CP for a lot of the time. Well, really, without Booker. Yeah, but I mean, CP's, book- CP's missed time too, and he, and he also hasn't been quite the same. Booker's the big one. I mean, look, they've played a lot of games without Embiid. They've played a lot of games without Jalen Brown. They're playing a lot of games without Kevin Durant right now. Boston also has probably the deepest team in the entire NBA. Milwaukee hadn't had Middleton and Holiday and Giannis together virtually at all. Which is why the year Giannis is having has been completely underrated. Miami hadn't had their starting lineup together virtually at all the whole year until very recently. And by, and by the way, for Boston, Tatum has barely missed any time at all. No, no, but Brown's missed. Yeah. I mean, Draylon Brown's really, really good. But he's right? not top He's not top 10 like Tatum. No, but I mean, he's still one of the, what, 20? Yeah, 20, 25 best scores. Yeah, yeah, best oh, yeah, scores for sure. No doubt. In the league. Hey, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying he's not a top 10 guy. I mean, uh, look. I Z- see, Zion, hey. Zion was performing like a top 10 guy. Ingram was also performing like a top 20, 25 guy. You, yeah. you lose both of them? Yeah, you're going to stink. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess 
Yeah. I mean, I've seen the team play without Desmond Bain. I've seen the team play without Jaron Jackson oh, Jr. Oh, yeah. okay, for the first yeah, 17 sure. games of and the year. Ne- neither of them are top 20, 25 Oh, guys. is that right? Uh, I, I wish you would pull up Desmond Bain stats and Brandon Ingrams. That'd be a fun <laughs> one. Maybe, maybe I should watch That every, would be a fun one. Maybe I should watch every single Desmond Bain <laughs> made, you, made shot. Hey. Hold on, I'm working on my Reddit post now. <laughs> Desmond Bain is a crappy shooter, an NBA conspiracy. <laughs> and now all you nincompoops have got to go watch every Desmond Bain made three. <laughs> I'm going to say, no, Desmond Bain's foot is on the line every time he shoots a three. <laughs> <laughs> Every three he takes, what, go back and watch it. His foot is on the line. One of our listeners should please like, actually make that post. <laughs> but like, but what like the plays you post because the original poster didn't include video. You yes. should include video of two pointers where that he makes, but say they were labeled as threes. Yes, <laughs> that'll Amazing. get everybody going. Say so here more more is that more evidence here, and then and then everybody could go back and watch it. Yeah, but yep. no, amazing, amazing. Bane, Bane's awesome. Don't get me wrong. I, I had him like at one point number thirty on our Ringer top one hundred rankings, which was probably a little too high, a little bit too premature. But he's awesome. I love this one, Bane. Big fan. Yeah, hopefully he's back soon. Uh, yeah. There was a Shams trade column. We are hurtling towards this trade deadline. Hopefully, we're going to get some more action here coming up pretty soon. But, uh, you know, the Jay Crowder stuff's going to happen. That Bucks deal that's out there, doesn't it feel like if that was going to be the deal, then the deal would just have already been done because the Suns have absolutely no reason to wait on making a Jay Crowder deal. You really really want that deal? But, I mean, George Hill and Jordan Nuara. I I, I feel like if I'm Phoenix, I want to do better than that. I know. There, what, there's what, some, good, what good does Dora, Hill, and Ibaka do for you? Hey, we're somewhere in between that deal and a first-round pick for Jay Crowder, right? You're not getting the first-round pick that you once desired. But you could probably do better than that. That's yeah, what I'd guess. Terrible. That deal is like, I was like, really? Like, people are going to be able to beat that if they're gonna if they're going to do a bidding. On Jay Crowder. I do like the Jay Crowder fit with Milwaukee a lot. I do. I think it'd be a very good fit. Like I've been saying since this crap with Crowder ended up happening, the Suns want a wing back. They want a guy who can replace Crowder's role, and that deal does not accomplish that for him. I mean, Noara has had some good minutes for Milwaukee, but he's not the guy right now. Yeah. What do you make of all the... In me, you and I goofed a bunch about the uh, Toronto stuff last week, but... You know, in Shao Sharania's article at The Athletic, it's like, here's what Nick Nurse, here's how much Nick Nurse gets paid, and here's some problems that have been had with Nick Nurse, and there's these rumblings about what's going on with Nick Nurse, and then there's, like, these reports that are out there of, like, OG wants out, and, like, you know, Siakam and Nurse don't have a great relationship, and it's like... And OG even had to address it the other night. And he's like, I can't control what anybody says, blah, blah, blah. It's all just, I don't know, man. Like, I know their record stinks right now as compared to what they want it to be. But this whole, like, 
I don't know. Is it setting up like Nick Nurse is the problem and the roster is not? Or is it is it price driving down stuff by saying these guys are unhappy and so they want to be elsewhere? Like, I can't, Dude, this I can't stuff, read this. This stuff, Chris, about Toronto has been floating yeah. around since last season. I can't read it though. Yeah. Like, what is what is the I know. purpose I, now? It, I mean, it's tough to get a read on it, but I'm just saying that this it's been a year of this where, like, in league circles, people have been talking about Toronto chemistry, some nurse issues. So this has been out there for a while, and it's tough to get your finger on what it is exactly. Uh, I think there's elements of nurse losing, you know, the pulse of the locker room like he had in the past, but I do think it's also a roster issue too. So. For Toronto, I think it can be both, and, and I believe it is. I'll tell you this. I've got a TV on that's in my room where, when I'm recording this right now. It's got the, uh, it says final Suns 114, Toronto 106. They're interviewing, Tom Chambers is interviewing Donnie, Dario Saric, and they just showed about four minutes of Dario Saric highlights, and they were like virtually all like him making layups against this Toronto team. And so... Maybe uh maybe they can hash out their Crowder deal tonight, right? If they want to get a uh if they if they want to move him off to Toronto as part of the gig or whatever, or a OG deal. Didn't you say that they were one of the teams that might want him? And so who knows? A lot, of, way, lot of ways this could go. But Toronto just dropped another one. So if we're looking at, hey, are they going to be a seller, every loss towards this trade deadline seemingly makes it more likely that they will be a linchpin in this trade deadline. Is that fair? Yeah, they're 2-2 they're two and two on their road trip right now. All indications are they're going to wait until next week to actually make their final decision here. They got Utah on Wednesday, Houston on Friday, Memphis to end their road trip on Sunday. Um, you know, they should win. Well, maybe the Grizzlies could just pound them and they can leave OG here. Mm, yeah, for three first-round draft picks. Oh, for goodness sakes. <laughs> well, they... uh yeah, they just lost again. So I don't know. I just didn't, you know, and I'm sure Bill will talk about this on his pod. But when we were talking to him about it, he's like, always beware when you see people's salaries start getting mentioned in articles. And he was highlighting that they mentioned Nick Nurse and what he makes. I had no idea what Nick Nurse made. Did you? No. I never million even think about eight, eight million dollars is what Shams put in there. Yeah, but I never even think about what coaches make. No. Like, why is that a factor? Obviously, it's, you know what I mean? So the idea is anytime you say, anytime they throw a guy's salary number in there, it's bad news. And I totally could see that. Because when you do think about it, it's like, who cares? Who cares? That doesn't count towards a salary cap. Why do I give a shit what Nate Nurse makes? Like, that's the only reason I would care. The other interesting thing in that Shams report today uh, was the Mavericks part of it with Dorian Finney-Smith that they would be open to moving him if they can get upgrades, which is no surprise. Like Obviously, Dorian Finney-Smith is a nice role player, and Shams said they'd want to get a star. Like, no shit, you'd trade Dorian Finney-Smith for a star. (laughs) (laughs) But but, but it's it's just interesting to think about, especially considering tonight Luka scored 53 out of 111 points for the Mavericks in a win over the Pistons where they needed every single one of those 53 points. Um, like Dallas's roster, you said it before the year. You look at their team, you're like, eh, eh it's okay. 
It's all right. And granted, they're missing some role players too. They didn't have Christian Wood tonight. He's been out. Dallas needs to make a move. You know, Minnesota needs to make a move. D'Angelo Russell was bad again tonight. He's had some horrific games. He was not mentioned that in that Shams article, but you know, some of these teams in the thick of it in the West, whether it's Phoenix with the Crowder situation, you know, Minnesota with D'Lo or Dallas with their supporting cast around Luka or even, you know, the Clippers trying to improve around Kawhi and then Paul George. There's a lot of movement that can end up happening in the Western Conference. A lot. Hey, let me give you, let me give you one real quick uh, before we get out of here. I want to get your opinion on this, okay? Because now that I'm thinking it through, it kind of adds up with what we were just talking about where at first you're talking about Phoenix and about how they need a wing, right? And we're talking about Dallas and how they need a star. And you can decide whether or not this qualifies, okay? You know who my buddy Tim McMahon from ESPN has brought up? is Whose name has come up around Dallas in, I guess, inner circle stuff or whatever? Aiton. Do you like that? Not really. No. You don't like that. You do not think no. that that's a good flank for Luca, like a second guy. The past versions of DeAndre Ayton, yes. This year's version, no. No. Too inconsistent. Like if you, you think it would just be another Porzingis flame out? Not I think it, I think it'd be a big headache for Luca. Mm. So you're not with it. That's not but, that's not the one you would do. But I'll just say this: maybe what Ayton needs is change. Maybe whatever happened between him and Monty Williams, right or wrong for him to feel the way he does, if his feelings are, you know, affecting his play and his performance, you know, his effort, maybe what he does need is a change and somebody like Luca and, you know, maybe Jason Kidd can get to him. Because in, in theory, that version of DeAndre Ayton would be perfect. Maybe you have a front court with him and Christian Wood with Luca and Dinwiddie at backup and maybe something like that would could work, but what what does Phoenix get back though? That that's the tough part here. Mm-hmm. But Finney Smith. And, I mean, they, and, they, they, and, they need and, a and, right, and, and they need a big though. No, and then you you well, you throw stuff together, right? Yeah, three way. But Miles Turner, he resigned with Indiana. He's not available now. Well, he could technically be traded ahead of the deadline. It's just highly unlikely. Yeah, it seems like they were committing to him. Yeah, it just seems so unlikely. It'd be a shocker. I mean, he even tweeted it out, Teddy. It's like, Indiana, it was always you. <laughs> you know, you always like, uh, you always like when I talk about seeing guys in person and size wise, with yeah. the, you know, bigger or smaller. Yo, Miles Turner is He's, yeah. enormous. He's big. He does not, he is bigger in person than he is, like, than he comes off on television. Yep. When I walked up on him, I was like, God bless. This guy is enormous. Miles Turner, and they, they committed to him. They committed to him. And so it's a good deal. Good deal for some, both sides. They had something good going with him and Halliburton prior to, mm-hmm. for sure. They were the, I mean, they were one of the surprise teams or the surprise team of the NBA, uh, Sacramento notwithstanding. That Indiana team was, I mean, they were solidly in like the top six. And the Halliburton thing is. Totally derailed that. And it might be for the best for their future, honestly. Um, so, well, we'll see. Uh, it should be fun. This next week and a half is going to be super fun as we head towards that trade deadline. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Kevin, I will talk to you later this week. Have a good one.